Hey guys, this time around we have an interview with uh, Sean K. Reynolds. He's a writer of multiple RPGs, but uh, we are discussing specifically his recent uh, PDF that he wrote with Shauna Germain, which is called Consent in Gaming. Now this was a really great discussion about Consent in Gaming, and I hope that uh, people will will gain some information from this podcast to kind of dr- create their own consent in gaming. It's, it's a really important topic. The other piece of news that I want to give you before I start into the show here is that Rolling for Change, that's myself and Brian Peace, will both be at PAX Unplugged, and we would love to meet with you. So if you are going to be at PAX Unplugged, uh, please let us know. You can let us know via our Discord chat, which is uh, geektherapy forward slash Discord. You can also send us an email. That's gamers at rollingforchange.com. We'd love to hang out with you, talk to you, and see what uh, what you do to roll for change. Anyway, uh, here is our conversation. This is Brian Peace, myself, and Sean K. Reynolds discussing consent in gaming. Welcome to Rolling for Change, a podcast about the transformational nature of gaming. Today, I have with me Mr. Brian Peace, our own personal Santa Claus. Ho, 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 suckers. (laughs) And we are very uh, lucky to have Sean K. Reynolds here. Hey there, folks. Sean put together, Sean and Shauna. Yes. Shauna Germain. Put together a a PDF called Consent in Gaming, which is what brought my attention to you, Sean. But uh, uh, there, there's obviously lots of other stuff I need to talk to you about as well. But the the first thing was Consent in Gaming, um, because this is uh, you know when it comes to gaming and and consent, I hadn't even really, to be honest, I hadn't really even thought about it. I've been in games where I felt like there needed to be some discussion of consent, but I just kind of blew it off and said, you know, that's not a big deal. That's just me, and I can let go of whatever it is that I'm I'm holding on to here. Uh, but you and Shauna found a need to write this manual. Yeah, and it really it stemmed from uh, a book I just finished writing called Stay Alive, which is a, a horror guide for the cipher system, but also could be used for any sort of RPG. But there was a chapter in it that talked about consent and horror, because one of the things that you do when you play or you run a horror game is you say, all right, I want to be scared. But you're able to say, hey, I want to be scared in this particular way and not scared in a different way. We call that good uncomfortable and bad uncomfortable. And kind of setting the guidelines for what you should and shouldn't do in a horror game so that your players will be at the right kind of fear that they want, but not like traumatized by stuff that they don't want to deal with is, you know, kind of a nuanced issue. And having written that chapter, Monty as creative director for Monty Cook Games, a company that is publishing this book, Mm -hmm. um, he said, you know, this is some really good stuff. We probably should make this a separate thing and just release it so that it's out there in the community. And uh, I work with Shauna and she has a lot more familiarity with some of the other 
safety tools discussed in there, like uh, lines and veils and the X card and things like that. And we had a couple of sensitivity readers take a look at it and basically double the size of it. So what originally was going to be a chapter and stay alive is now its own thing about just consent and gaming in general, because we have all sorts of horror stories in the industry of people at convention games or really bad home games where something really, really bad happens in the game. It's like, I didn't sign up for this, and we end up driving people out of the hobby. And the idea is to make gaming a place where people can get together and have fun and not have to deal with bad stuff that they want to leave behind from real life. If I look back, and I, I, I've talked to people, I, I think most people uh, finished being a virgin in the midst of a D&D game. In my history, I, I hear people like that's where okay, it, sure. nothing nothing actually happened. You know, it just happened in role playing. But a lot of times that happened to people, and it wasn't there was no consent. You know, it was just something that happened in the game. And the, sure, the GM or DM just kind of said, "Yeah, okay, that's what happens," and and went with it because we were we were young and and stupid, and uh, you know, we we're just playing the game for fun. And a lot of times we were kind of uh, playing with the boundaries of the game. Mm -hmm. um, so I have a feeling that a lot of people have experienced that situation and been very uncomfortable with it, didn't know what to do with it. And now we have a system that you and Shauna have created that I, I think is just fantastic. It covers a lot of detail. I, I was wondering, do you have an experience in your life besides working on this horror uh, RPG or this horror book that led you more here? Or is this something that just came up as a result of the horror? Well, I've been uh, a fan of horror as a genre since I was, you know, 10 or so. And yeah. I love scary movies. I grew up in the 80s during the height of, you know, the slasher films like Nightmare on Elm Street and uh, Halloween and things like that. So horror has just been part of my, the, the culture of media that I consume. Um, but also as a gamer, I've seen my share of bad games and been a player in, you know, just games that weren't fun for various reasons. And there was a time at Gen Con when Monty and I were hosting a panel called Your Worst Game Session. And <laughs> it literally was just, we, we talked a little bit about, hey, here's a couple examples of, you know, bad stuff that's happened in games that we've played in. And we just called on people in the audience like, hey, you know, why don't you tell us your worst gaming story? And like one of the, the female players in the audience says, well, there's a time that, you know, the GM had my character gang raped by a bunch of dark elves. And we're just like, oh, what? Wow. Yeah. And that's just it's like, that's just a thing that is strangely common among some game groups. And it's just like sexual assault is normalized. And we're like, that's horrible. And that yeah. just kind of stuck with me as a, hey, there are things that we could avoid having in the game. Um, or, you know, on a case-by-case -case basis, people should be able to say, hey, you know what, I don't want violence against children in my campaign, or I don't, well, as a, uh, like, a, someone might be a player who is a new parent, and they don't want to have a situation where a baby gets kidnapped, or they don't want to have a situation where uh, there's a pregnant woman who is at risk from some sort of evil cult who wants to sacrifice her infant, or uh, her fetus. You know, like, those are all real-life fears, what we call adult fears, and sure. like you don't want to deal with that in a game like gaming is an escape and a lot of people like a lot of people do enjoy kind of like pushing those boundaries but a lot of people like it the other way they say no what you know i like my fantasy to be kind of light or serious about x and light about y and i don't want to deal with these real world issues a lot of people have you know trauma from 
anything from having a, a bad childhood or they've been dealing with racism their entire life and they would rather not deal with that in a game situation that's supposed to be fun enjoyable hobby yeah it's interesting the uh you know the dm role I'm a therapist by trade, and the DM role is a little bit similar in the sense that you want to create a safe place, a safe place for people to engage in what's going on, and without some kind of rules. I just can't imagine a. G it seems like a sacred position, you know, to be the person who leads people through this fantastic adventure, and and to take that and turn it into something for my own needs. Yes, seems like the wrong step. Not to say that the DM shouldn't have some play in what's going on but come on <laughs> you're talking about something really dark here yeah it's interesting how people kind of project their weird little things into the game and a lot of it is kind of the the gm equivalent of saying oh that's just my character like oh my character's chaotic evil i would do this and the gm's saying well it's my campaign you know this is the thing that i'm going to have in the campaign and a lot of people who have that sort of mentality also kind of stick by the well you know this is this is a medieval fantasy sort of setting and this sort of thing happened in medieval fantasy so for the sake of realism we're going to have to include it in the game even <laughs> if it makes you uncomfortable um it's really interesting because you, you you being a therapist a lot of people who are arguing back and forth about the idea of consent to gaming which kind of blew up because of this pdf um, a lot of people are saying, you know, they've done studies where it's good to role play out these issues. You can deal with your trauma. It's like, yes, under controlled circumstances and with the person's consent. Someone who has been sexually assaulted, it's not healthy for them just to be suddenly confronted by, oh, we're going to sexually assault your character. Surprise. Right. Someone who has had a miscarriage is not going to be wanting to experience a situation where suddenly there is a miscarriage in the game like they're there that's still raw emotion even if it's you know a year later five years later and not every gm is a licensed therapist so you shouldn't assume that you are sure. qualified for that role and one of the things is that like people looked at this pdf and it has a checklist in it of things that you can opt in and opt out about and a lot of people said, well, I don't need this sort of thing. My players will talk to me. We've been in the same gaming group for 20 years. You know, my, they're my friends. We would talk about this if there's an issue. The answer is, that's great. <laughs> not everybody's in that situation. And not everybody is necessarily comfortable kind of making themselves vulnerable about that sort of trauma. And so something like the consent checklist or lines and boxes or the X card or any of these other tools out there. Like the, the consent and gaming checklist is just another tool. But these are all ways to say, hey, I want to establish a safe space. And whether that's talking to the GM first and saying, hey, you know what? You know, my my spouse and I are having kind of a difficult pregnancy here. I would like us to not have any pregnancy related issues in this campaign. Or, hey, you know, my boss is being a real sexual harassing sort of jerk. Can we not have any sort of gender uh, bias show up in this game? So like no Amazons, no this and that. And a reasonable person would say, hey, you know what? We're gaming buddies, we're friends. I don't want to make this gaming experience suck for you. So I will take this into account and make changes. Some of the pushback we got about that was, well, one of the issues is, you know, spiders and acrophobia, or sorry, uh, arachnophobia is one of the checklist items. But what if I have just planned out this six month long drow campaign, <laughs> you're gonna be fighting drow and spiders, and this player says, nope, no spiders. Like, do I have to just change the whole campaign? And the answer is no, you don't have to change the whole campaign. 
when that player says, hey, I'm not comfortable with spiders because I have a literal phobia of spiders, the yeah. GM says, you know what? You might want to sit out this game because yeah. I've put a lot of work into this. The other players are all excited about playing this game. And you're the one, hold up, we don't want to traumatize you, but maybe this would be a good opportunity for you to start working on a campaign that you could run. You know, it occurs to me, Tolkien did not give any spoilers or any indication of what <laughs> Shelob would be. Right. <laughs> there was no consent in Tolkien. Right. There's, you just and, suddenly found yourself and in you know, if Ron we And you know, if Ron Weasley had been reading that book, he probably would have wet himself. Yes. Uh-huh. So it's interesting you bring up trauma because, uh, you know, I, just speaking to those people who are listening to our, our shows that are not therapists, when we do work on trauma, we do not just confront the person with the trauma that they've experienced. We do have to have some consent in that situation. And we really work hard to try to get to a point where the person feels comfortable enough to share cooperatively, not at gunpoint, their experiences so that they can go through it and kind of process some of what's going on. But if you as GM think you're doing somebody a favor by helping them confront some fear in the midst of a role-playing game, um, I think <laughs> I think you need to be careful with that because maybe you know the person well enough, but I, I love the idea of a consent sheet because it's a simple little sheet. It doesn't take you know, it, it might take people maybe 10 minutes to go through the RPG consent checklist that you guys have written, have written. And so much more information can be gleaned from that to to kind of make that experience meaningful for the people at the table. Yeah, one of the things that I really like about this discussion that's come out is that so many people have read this checklist and they've either said, wow, this is exactly what I've been looking for from my games for a long time. Or, hey, I really wish this existed or I knew about tools like this when I started gaming, it would have helped me avoid some problems and some problem players. As much as people have said um, that, you know, players have said, this is something that I think is very useful. I, the only, pu the only pushback I've had on this so far um, is if I hand this out to people, I don't know at a game, their first thought is going to be, Oh my God, what kind of game are you planning on running? <laughs> and my, and I thought about that for a while because I was like, yeah, I can see your point. But then I, it, it occurred to me, and you know, this is probably something that's already been in your mind, but it's something that occurred to me as a response to that is this checklist isn't just for the game master, though. I've had players throw out things that it, from their character, that made another player uncomfortable. Yeah, this is a this is a community agreement. We all are going to say, "Look, I know that you say your character and her character are in a relationship, but they don't. They, there are like two other people here who said they don't want it to be graphic. Right. So you know, fade to black. If you guys have to go to the bedroom, fade to black. And you know what? Every game session, let's not announce three times that you guys are going to go make <laughs> go have sex." We get it. You're in a relationship. Cool. If we're in the, the tavern and you say, uh, we're going to just go ahead and head to bed, you don't have to say, we're going to go to go to bed to, okay, we got it. Thanks. Yeah, yeah um, you don't call out when your character uses the lavatory. You don't have to call right, out when your character's right, having sex every single right. time. Um, in one instance, um, and it's kind of embarrassing to admit because I'm the one who stepped in it, 
Um, mm-hmm. When I was in my 20s, I'm 47 now, so yeah, half my lifetime away, um, I was doing a superhero role-playing game. Everyone, everyone stated up front, we want this to be ultra-realistic. I mean, we're all superheroes, but we want the world to react the way it normally would if superheroes showed up. So if someone gets killed, they get killed. We make up a new character, and we just go from there. So I said, okay, that's what we're going to do. And they pushed the limits. Um, Two of them were those, we're going to go bow chicka bow wow all the time. And I said, okay, you guys do realize if you keep doing this, if we're going to do this ultra realistic, someone is potentially going to, are you guys using any kind of protection? They said, no, no, we're not. (laughs) You went deeper. (laughs) I said, well, I was trying to get them to stop doing that instead of saying right. stop, because if you tell the if you tell one of these people, the the guy who was involved in it to stop, he takes it as a challenge. He would double down. Uh. So instead of doing that, I said, you realize if you're not using protection, she could get pregnant. And they both said, yeah, so what? Whatever. Because, you know, we're all in our early to mid 20s and who cares? Consequences be damned. So sure enough, I we we had I they said well we'll do random rolls to find out and I said oh okay we'll do that then. <laughs> so on a random roll once I said you know let's just say um, because it's a freaking game uh, there's a there's maybe a twenty five percent chance okay I was really hoping it wouldn't happen and sure enough on the third time they said something boom she comes up pregnant and I said okay you guys are gonna have to you know find something to do for downtime because you're gonna want to take some time off superheroing for a while we can do some other things in game but she, but you know and I wanted to throw you know, it's realistic there are other superheroes in town that's fine but then they're taking a little bit of time off and stuff goes down I wanted to give them that push of that spider-man thing I can't fight right now but bad things are happening right. and now because of my decision I can't go help out. But we were still doing other things in game. We were doing day-to-day personal things, dealing with their personal lives, their out-of-character lives, or their out-of-costume uh, out lives. And she and he both said, no, we're going to go fight. <sighs> Please don't do this. I'm just sitting here enjoying the idea of role you for conception. Are three... <laughs> I, said, you, I said, okay, you... You are three months pregnant. Please don't go into a fight with a guy who has super strength. Bad things are going to happen, potentially. I don't want bad things to happen. And, of course, there were, you know, hell with the consequences. He got a big, solid punch on her because even though she was ranged, she got up up close and personal with him because, you oh, know. Oh, God. Yep. And you, you didn't take this much further, did you? I was angry about this. Because this is point. already uncomfortable for me. I feel like I, I should know. hit the stop card. And at that point, they were pushing the envelope, and I was in my 20s, and I was giving pushback. And I said, all right, random roll. He just hit you as hard as he could. Roll it. Oh, geez, and Brian. she And she fumbled it. And I was like, oh, God dang, why did she have to fumble? And she got upset. I'm laughing, but and this is also terrible. I was, I was upset. She was upset, but she was way more upset than everybody else. And it turns out that about ten, about five years previous, she'd had an abortion. Oh, and God. I felt like the biggest jackass who was ever put on the planet. And she came back later, and we had a conversation about it. She said, 
I was pushing the boundaries, you were pushing the boundaries, and we pushed too far. And yes, it was a jackass thing to do, but us pushing you into that position was kind of a jackass thing to do. We were all jackasses. Let's just accept we're all idiots and move on. Yeah, and that's two things. Like the consent PDF talks about recovering from an error yeah. in consent. And some of that is, hey, you just apologize. Like, yeah, you know what? We crossed a line. Shouldn't do that. Right. And your, your story is an interesting case because everybody looks at this from the perspective of, well, I'm the GM. I should be able to do whatever I want in that campaign. And the players, this seems to give the players an ultimate veto. But the truth is, you were uncomfortable with that. You were the GM, and you should have the right to say, I don't want this in my game. Just like if I'm running a campaign, I can say, you know what? There's no sexual assault in this campaign. Right. Like, yeah. Don't joke about it. Don't say that your characters do it. You don't have to worry that it's ever going to happen to you. It is just not a thing that happens. Stop. Full stop. Not right. a thing. So that formed a lot of the a, a tremendous amount of the basis of how I evolved as a game master from that one instance, mm -hmm. which is why I'm on this show now is because I'm a better person than I was 25 years ago. Hopefully we all are. I was going to yeah. say. <laughs> it's embarrassing to admit, but I've, I've, I've probably admitted to more embarrassing things on this show. So why not? Sure. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I mean, this is a show about uh, the self-disclosure for the most part, I think. Um, you know, it, it's also, it's not just for the players. There's also a sense of needing this for the GM because maybe sometimes players are going to do things that G the GM's not comfortable with. Right. You know, like I, I would, I would like to say up front, I'm never going to GM a game where I'm going to be comfortable with the idea that someone's going to get pregnant during the game. Sure. That's <laughs> cause I just don't know, like I'm already in a in a therapist role and i'm already dealing with really challenging situations and i don't want that to come to my game sure so to speak yeah. and that's not to say that i don't see the value and and power of using role-playing games as therapeutic tools because we've certainly been talking about that a lot but consent can be so important yeah and i just hadn't even thought about it there are games that i've played in in the last five ten years that i would have liked to have an x card Right. And so maybe we should talk about the X card because I know that came from No Thank You Evil, which I didn't determine. Did you work on that, Sean? Well, actually, X card is by John Stavropoulos. It okay. predates No Thank You Evil. Uh, no Thank You Evil has a similar mechanic called No Thank You Evil, which is literally just like, hey, I'm a little kid and the game is getting too scary. Can we ratchet it down a little bit? Yeah. Um, but it's basically the same principle. Um and No Thank You Evil, to answer your second question, was written before I was part of MCG, but it is kind of a light version of the Cypher system, which I helped work on when Monty and Shauna were making Numenera. So I'm slightly tied to that. But yes, the X card. Yeah, it, it that just seems like such a powerful tool for players to be able to say, you know what, I don't want to continue this particular theme, or I don't want to continue this particular idea. Yeah. I was just up at a um, at a convention called Save Against Fear. Mm -hmm. Fantastic experience because mm -hmm. it's it's uh, run by uh, a therapist who runs the Bodana Group, which is a group that does um, TTRPG, that you know, therapeutic RPGs. Um, and they suggested the idea of having um, a stop button, a pause button, uh, a fast forward button. You know, it, it was almost like we had VCR controls for the game sure. that we're playing for the purposes of providing consent and safe space for everybody at the table. And I thought that was just such an incredible tool 
I haven't done a lot of GMing myself, but I can imagine situations that just became really uncomfortable if you didn't have those kind of tools in front of you to make sure that everybody's still happy and having a good time. Yeah. And because the GM is in charge of how fast the time flows in the game, like the GM doesn't have to make you slog. It's like if you're going to have a situation where the players have to march or the characters have to march from one side of a mountain range to the other, you know that's going to take two weeks. You don't have to role play out two weeks of walking. (laughs) That's true. You You can just say fast forward, two weeks pass. And so if there's a situation in the game where someone seems to be uncomfortable or reacts that they want to move on, you can just say, fade to black or yes and like even if it's something like hey you're fighting giant spiders and a player who's not normally bothered by spiders is suddenly you know alarmed by your very vivid descriptions of spiders and their noises you could be like and we wrap up this encounter you uh managed to defeat the spiders let's move on to treasure you can just skip past that you don't have like so many combats become a slog you're like okay i know the monster has another 65 hit points and we're doing around 15 points of damage around so we have six more rounds of this but if the gm knows you're going to beat it it's not going to kill anybody i'm just going to wrap up this encounter and we can move on to something that's not whittling down 15 points of damage per round and you can do that with any consent topic like oh you know what this person is the npc is flirting with this character i'm not really comfortable with that okay well they they walk off and you don't have to deal with them anymore you're no longer in that inn. You've moved on to the next part of the adventure. Yeah, it seems like it's just a, a matter of, if you know, at those points, it's just a matter of the DM's baby, where it's like, I've studied this, I know this, I I don't want to get rid of this, but, I mean, it is just as simple as that. It's a role-playing game, and so you can just say, it. it's not going to destroy the story or destroy the experience to say, you know what, let's just move on. And you know what? You could even treat it like a deleted scene in a film. You could say, we're going to skip on to the next scene. But you could, yeah. like if there was another player who was interested in some aspect of it, like if, say, there's an NPC bard in a tavern and the bard is flirting with two different characters and one player is obviously uncomfortable with that, you can fast forward to the next day where the, the rest of the adventure starts to happen. But that second player can say, hey, actually, I was enjoying that role-playing flirting with the bard. Can we, like, have an email exchange talking about what's going on with that? And that basically becomes a cutscene that that yeah. character knows about that doesn't take up any table time that's bothering or, you know, making anybody else bored. I like that. All these movie metaphors, you give the rating to the to the game so that mm-hmm. you know it's a PG game or a G game. Uh, you can have cut scenes or deleted scenes. That, that All that's very cool. I love that, uh, that use of metaphor for this because I think it, it fits in perfectly. Man, Brian, if I had had a... a pause or an x button i would have never carved through the middle of a dead troll (laughs) technically you didn't um that was another player and i was trying my best to dissuade him without telling him okay cut it out and he he's one of those double down people he just had to keep pushing the boundaries well, I know his idea was the DM is not going to railroad me in a particular direction. I'm going to go in the direction I want to go. And your idea was, no, that direction is not available to you. No, my my thing was, if you go that way, I guarantee you, you're all going to get killed. There are two different ways out. Your whole The whole point of this exercise is to say, sometimes I need to back off. <laughs> yeah. sometimes, sometimes I can't just say, I'm going to go this way, and the universe is going to conspire to make that happen for you. Sometimes... Discretion is the better part of valor. You don't always have to fight every fight. Yeah. And he wanted to fight every fight. Yeah. (laughs) 
just a little context here, Sean. Uh, we were playing a game. It was a dungeon crawl classic, and uh, we had a group that were um, trying to get through this area. And one direction, there is a troll that we actually. It was a troll, right, Brian? No, two ogres. It was ogre. Okay, we'd actually killed one of them um, through nothing but sheer luck, I think. Yeah. And uh, his. The way that Brian wanted to keep us from going that way because there really wasn't supposed to be a way to go that way, I believe. And so, no, it was possible you would sacrifice half the party, but you were also had other people you were trying to rescue. Yeah, and taking them through there was just unconscionably dangerous. So he had the he had the ogre fall dead in the passageway, and the passageway was only enough so you could kind of crawl through it. So, the double down was the guy decided that. Uh, we would carve our way through it, and Brian did a very vivid job of <laughs> detailing the, the gore and terror that was going on in that moment. Yeah, and that's another example of you, when you're playing a fantasy sort of game, you're accepting that there's going to be an element of fantasy violence with people shooting fire magic and swinging swords, but you don't necessarily need to hear, oh, yes, I'm carving through this person's intestine. Oh, you have to work extra yeah, hard was... because of his spine. It's just like, we don't need to that that level of detail on things. Right. And I did, I, before I, what do you, you got to admit, before I started, I said, okay, this is about to get gross if you do this. Sure. And you did say that. Good call. And, every, and everybody said, okay, let's do it then. And there was general consent around the table, and I'm like, oh, for the love of God, people. Okay. All right. You're going to sacrifice yourselves and the innocence you're trying to save at level one fighting two ogres. Are you crazy? We I, were. Didn't wa- I didn't want a total party white, but that's where we were headed. Yeah. yeah. I mean, sometimes the GM has to make the decision for the sake of the campaign. Like, can we can we move on for this for the let's not have a TPK reason? It doesn't always right. have to be, hey, I'm uncomfortable with this. It's the I, I want to keep playing. Can we keep playing? And actually, really, all consent issues are, I would like to keep playing with this group. Can we not have the thing that's disgusting to me? Right. And yeah. that's now that I have all this, I mean, this is happened. All this has happened with the whole consent in gaming and the mutual consent of everyone. I kind of came into it from the idea that the game master is there to help these people through the game, but he's got to keep some control. And again, I've it's an evolutionary process. Since that game, I've learned that, hey, I have some say in saying, guys, let's stop for a second. Let's stop what we're doing. Let's talk about this. Yeah. Because you're, you're, the old philosophy was still don't let the action stop. Keep right. moving and try to discourage through play. And discouraging through play sometimes doesn't work. Right. Can I just uh, bring us to the point where we talk about the debrief? Because I, uh, I've said this all along that there there should be debriefs after games, whether they're role playing games or even sometimes you know uh, tabletop board games, because there, there's there's stuff that goes on in games that needs some process, and uh, uh, you you put it in in your tools here, and I thought that was just fantastic because now I'm seeing reflected uh, my idea that that I thought was so important um, was to do this debrief. Um, I just want to thank you for adding that and say that, that you know, for, for players who are, are doing this sort of thing, there are events that happen in role-playing games that require some process, I think. 
Yeah, I have. A, I got to thank Shauna for that. That was one of her contributions. Uh, she has uh, a background in uh, psychology, I believe, and she worked as a trauma counselor, uh, a grief counselor for a while as part of her okay. uh, her university time. So uh -huh. checking in on and making sure that people are okay as a DB process, she knows is is very important. I think that's a great thing that that we included in the consent PDF. Yeah, it's just people are complicated. And, you know, people's history is complicated and their, their feelings are complicated. And you can have a person who is normally totally fine with a particular issue, but maybe they've had a bad day at work or they've gotten a, a fight with their significant other or, you know, they may have had a bad dream that reminded me, them of some previous drama and they just don't want to deal with that today. And so somebody might be like, you know what? I'm told normally I'm fine with having fantasy racism, but I got into an altercation with somebody on the subway today and there were some words exchanged and I'd rather not deal with that today. So that's kind of like one of those yellow spots on the consent checklist. Like I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm okay with this, but let's not push it too far. And I want to reserve the right to, to back off. And you always have that right to back off. You could say, yeah, you know what? I totally was full green light on the gore but you know i saw something really gross on the freeway today and i'd rather not think about that so can we just not have a gory description of stuff in this game this session of the game yeah yeah and that and that's perfectly okay because if you're if you're in a group that's all kind of recognized that this is a place of safety that in which we can role play then hopefully everybody i mean I think you said it in there. Maybe you don't want to play games with people who don't recognize those limits. Right. Yeah, one of the funny comments that popped up here and there was uh, people who were coming out very strongly against consent in gaming. Not specifically this PDF, but just the idea that they need to check in at all or be respectful of the feelings of anybody else at the table. And the other people said, wow, you've just clearly identified yourself as someone I do not want to game with. <laughs> yeah. Right. Exactly. Right. It's it's like um bearing certain um insignias. Right. Um someone someone says, I don't I believe we should ban, for instance, and I'm gonna take some of our listeners and make them go, What? We should ban, you know, Confederate flags. I said, No, no. Wear them on your shirt, fly them in your yard. That's your free that's your freedom of expression. It also lets me know exactly how much I want to interact with you. Right. Yeah. It's 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 a big sign on you saying, I'm not your kind of person necessarily. Right. <laughs> um, right. Now, an interesting um, thing I've made note of recently is that over the last several years, um, this whole concept of consent in gaming has been popping up all over the place. Um, not just in your document, but in, in smaller doses in other games I've seen over the past few years. It's uh, like that idea where um, someone invents something, and across the Pacific, someone else invents the exact same thing. Mm -hmm. um, like the, uh, the the wireless telegraph radio mm -hmm. um, was invented in one place, and in a completely different place, the technology was being used to do the exact same thing. And then it was a race to see who was going to do it better. Right. Well, in RPGs, we don't typically have that. Who's in a race to do it better? It's more of a it's more of a collaborative thing. It's more of it's more like artwork than it is um, an industry necessarily. In in a lot of cases, uh, we all kind of riff off each other's work. 
in some ways. Sure. But there's a group called Drowning Moon Studios, and we've interviewed them recently. <laughs> yes. And their, their uh, freeform LARPs have in each one of the LARPs designed into it a safety, a safety set of rules. If you want to engage in a physical altercation where you actually physically touch someone and play like you're going to do that, then you say, I want to engage in a physical altercation uh, with your character. Do I have your consent? And if they say, no, let's rock, paper, scissors it today. I don't want to have anyone's hands on me. And you say, okay. And you have a back and forth on that. And whenever you come to a consensus, that's how you're going to deal with that, that conflict. And I thought that was fantastic. Um, Kids on Bikes, a game that I've recently gotten really into. Um, they have a one-page section about setting boundaries. Mm-hmm. And whenever you're creating the world, it's a collaborative process where the game master and the players all sit down and decide how they're related to each other. And they also design the city and they, they say what they do want in the game and what they don't want in the game. And they all set up the flavor of the game in one big game session's worth of a conversation. And this whole idea has just been mind blowing to me in that it's so basic and simple. Why haven't we been doing this all along? And then I think back over my years of, of life and thought consent really hasn't been a big thing until recently. Yeah. Well, at least the awareness of, Hey, we really need to be a lot better about getting consent for anything is, is definitely something that's come up in the past, you know, five years. I mean, right. As a person who's been in the game industry for a long time and by a long time, I mean over 20 years now, it's, been fascinating to watch the demographics of the hobby change like when i first went to gen con in 1995 gaming was still a predominantly white male hobby and over time the demographics of people at gen con which i kind of use as a litmus of representing the entire gamer population has shifted closer and closer to you know about even mix of men and women Um, And of course, nowadays, we have people who are not on the binary gender spectrum. And so there's just a lot more representation there. We have a lot more people of color and different ethnicities. And it means that gaming has become more inclusive. And it means that we've all had to adjust to interacting with people who aren't just our, hey, this is my gaming group that I've known since I was 12 years old. People play games at conventions, people play games online. We end up interacting with strangers a whole lot more. And as a very social hobby that is made up of people who are kind of socially marginalized, I mean, certainly compared to like the jocks in school, the gamer nerds are socially marginalized people. And there's a certain amount of baggage that comes with that, that we all bring to gaming. And so now we're all kind of like working through our, hey, I'm a nerd, but now it's okay to be a nerd and we're like, great about that and we've got lgbtqia plus and so on and all these factors are just making the possibility of conflict a lot more possible and so people are speaking up and saying hey this thing you're doing is making me uncomfortable whether that's hey the way that you're portraying women in your game or the way that orcs are kind of being used as a metaphor for africans in your game that's a problem for me um, so it just, as time marches forward, the culture is getting more progressive and aware of how, Hey, you know what? We're all people. 
it'd be kind of nice if we got along and didn't treat each other like jerks in the general societal sense and in the game. And so consent and talking about people's issues and things that make them uncomfortable is an important thing. Uh, one of the things that came up a lot in several of the discussions about the consent and gaming checklist is that people would see some of these topics that are listed here. And it's like, why is uh, starvation a thing on this list? How many people are really traumatized by the idea of being starved? And someone pointed out, actually, if you come from an abused childhood, abusive parents often control and punish yeah. their children by not letting them eat. And so people who grew up with that are going to have issues with that or might have issues with that. Um, we have a lot of veterans in the gaming community. And the fact that like torture, waterboarding and things like that, that is a, a hot button topic for a lot of people who've experienced trauma. And let's be respectful of them not wanting to have to relive that as part of a, a game. Um, in a situation where someone's had a lot of um, like soldiers have had combat trauma, I could imagine some of them drifting toward a game like Kids on Bikes where it's actively discouraged for you to engage in combat because bad things can happen. Right. And you're, the whole concept is to try to solve this problem with as little physical confrontation as possible. It's kind of like a Cthulhu mythos thing. If you yes. try to fight the monsters, bad things are going to happen to you. Yeah, you've However, lost. <laughs> yeah, you've already lost once you're fighting someone. But if you can find the tome and translate it and then figure out what the cultists are doing and try to you know, mar their, their summoning circle, you have a chance of winning and then run like hell. Yes. <laughs> Those kind of games appeal to people who are traumatized, have been traumatized by violence because the whole idea of we shouldn't even have violence in this game. We should be just playing. Um, there's one called Meddling Kids that was out by, Pan by uh, Panda Head Games a while back. And it's still out on um, on Drive Through RPG, and the whole idea was Scooby Doo the the role playing game, mm -hmm. and the Scooby Doo gang never threw punches. Right, right. The the most violent thing they did was come up with a stupid trap that ended up hurting them more than anyone else. <laughs> right, <laughs> and those often. are fantastic games, not just yeah. for children but for adults. It's one of those cases where a lot of like if you are studying acting or you're studying writing, one of the things they'll recommend is come up with some sort of limitation and say, hey, I need you to write a story that like takes place in a room. You can't go outside this room. Or I need you to write a story where you don't know the genders of anybody involved. Or I need you to write a story from the perspective of a dog. You know, And those sort of restrictions on what you can and can't do really help prompt your creativity. And just an example, you said, hey, we can't have violence in this game. And it's, it's not hard-coded that there's no violence, but it's a, if there is violence, it's going to go poorly for you. Yeah. Like, that encourages you to think outside your normal, I'm playing d and I'm playing a hack and slash sort of game. I'm just going to chop my way through this problem. And encourages you to find alternative strategies, which is what we as gamers always say. Oh, well, you know, role playing games teach me strategy and how to talk to people and all those sort of things. It's not just about hack and slash, but a lot of games end up hack and slash. Not that there's anything wrong with a hack and slash game. I have played and GM many hack and slash games, but that's not all there is. And it's fun to put yourself in a situation where that isn't an option. I think there was a point in my life where I really enjoyed the sort of murder hobo approach to 
uh, going through a role playing game, but I'm I'm much more I guess aware or something now. I I I much more want to see it as a space to. Um, I mean, you talk about it in the in the consent uh, PDF. Uh, I'm much more aware of bleed and the way that uh, sure. my my characters interact with my person, my own ego. And I'm much more interested in in uh, trying to play with those boundaries than I am in to just kind of rolling my way through the death of a bunch of characters. Sure, well, I mean, which we do we, we constantly. I mean, yeah. I, I play Iron Gods, and that that happens a lot. Yeah, it's and, and there are a lot of games where just death is just trivial. Yeah, your character died, you bring in another character, or your character died and we resurrect them. Like, all sorts of MMOs is, yep, you died, you didn't defeat that monster, but you just go res and you run back. Heck, Gary Gygax himself, at one point, said, you know, you probably shouldn't name your characters until they get to, like, 6th level, because they're just too likely to die before that. <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with that. There's there, there are so many games that are really fun just to, like, beat up monsters and do that sort of thing. And that's okay, just like how it's okay for some people to like cowboy movies and some people to like, you know, superhero movies and some people to like gothic horror. And it's okay to like all of those things. And so there's yeah. a place in gaming for hack and slash and there's a place in gaming for high highfalutin romance and there's a place in gaming for like over-the-top drama and like, you know, weird interactive uh, passive-aggressive barbs like Houses of the Blooded. Um those are all like really fun things to explore as long as everybody at the table is playing the same sort of game. Like someone who is used to playing a hack and slash game shows up at something like Kids on Bikes and they don't understand why can't we just attack the bully? It's like, no, 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 you don't want to do that. <laughs> you know. So getting everybody on board is part of the consent process. And um, for our listeners who have not read this before, uh, the concept of bleed, because yes, I have I've had the document up reading reading over it, trying to find stuff, to, <laughs> you know, this, which is how I've been bringing up a lot of things. The concept of bleed is kind of whenever a character's um, the emotions of a character affect the emotions of the player, or where the emotions the player came into the game with are affecting the actions of the character, and kind of the idea of being aware of your own emotions and the emotions of the players around you and the game master. If you start noticing or try to make a point of noticing how your actions are affecting everyone else, maybe you can rein yourself in before someone else has to do it yeah. or rein yourself in or rein somebody else in. just, you know, put up a hand and go, whoa, hold on, let's back up for a minute and yeah. then have that, have that postmortem in the middle of things mm -hmm. and then have a more in-depth postmortem afterward. And we do this same thing in board games too, where Woody has or I have a reaction in a game and we discuss it among ourselves. Why did this happen? Um, what happened that triggered this? How can we, how can we work through this and have that, have this be a learning experience? I mean, even in board games, we do that. Sure. Yeah. I've had so many change moments in board games <laughs> just cause I recognized, I, I think it's probably, I'm, I'm a totally, uh, self-conscious person. So when I do something and I start to see that there's a conflict arising in me that doesn't make any sense, I, I have to find out. But not everybody does this. And so I, I guess that's why it's important for them to understand that these opportunities come. Uh, they can be opportunities or they may not be opportunities, but these opportunities come to con confront yourself within a game. And uh, I, I think paying attention to bleed 
helps us do that a lot. Um, and it, it does spend some time talking about that in the uh, Consent and Gaming PDF. And it requires a certain amount of self-awareness you know, to, to recognize, yeah. hey, things are getting heated. Are things getting heated because my character is upset or is it because I'm getting upset? And I, I have a couple of examples of that from my own personal gaming experience. Uh, my, my old college gaming group, uh, a friend of mine was angry at another player and he got into an argument with this other player's character. His character got into an argument with this other player's character and they ended it, like the argument, he said, well, just F you. And the other guy's like, well, F you too. He's like, no, no, F you in real life. I'm like, whoa, whoa, hold on here. Your characters are arguing. Let's not have you, you know, getting all mad at each other in person. And then uh, the second one I'm reminded of is uh, my friend Ed Stark, who is, uh, you probably know him from working on Ravenloft. He's one of the, the co-creators of the Birthright setting. Um, he and I were both players in a game by Steve Miller, and our characters were arguing. And in the middle of the argument, Ted stopped me, and he's like, wait, are you mad at me, or is your character mad at me? I'm like, oh, no, this is totally all in, all in character. He's like, oh, okay, good. They're like, rah, 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 rah. went back to it. So yeah. that check-in is a, is a healthy thing because you want to make sure that everyone is having fun and not actually getting upset. Like, gaming is supposed to be fun. The end. Yeah. So you have made... I have the feeling that there's probably... 50 or more games that you've worked on um did prior to this uh sort of new awakening in games where we started talking about consent did you recognize this early on when you were making these games or was it what's the history like for this yeah i mean it's it's complicated because a lot of what i was doing in in the olden days i was writing D &D adventures and those Mm -hmm. D &D adventures are I'm going to fight some monsters and make a neat encounter and present some treasure and that sort of thing. Um, but one of my earliest books that I wrote was this thing called The Scarlet Brotherhood. And this was an old second edition Greyhawk supplement right before uh, we switched over to third. And The Scarlet Brotherhood is basically the Greyhawk campaign settings version of Nazis. Like they are literally the oh, blonde, okay. fair-skinned, blue-eyed racial supremacists who want to enslave or kill all the other races in the setting. And like I was writing a source book about them and they have programs where they, you know, they take slaves, their slaves are people who have darker skin than them. They have these breeding programs to create like non-human creatures that are specialized for mining tasks and things like that. And it was like uncomfortable to write and afterwards i had to kind of like make a point of saying i'm going to go and watch some nice pleasant light movies that don't have anything about genocide (laughs) in them um and the trick is to present this in a way that says yes this is a dark subject and these are dark people and just make sure that it's clear that these are the villains of the story um and in like in the stay alive book in the introduction, I say, hey, just, you know, we talk about, you know, slashers and serial killers and like all this horrible stuff in this book. It's all for gaming. Don't emulate any of this in real life because it's like in real life, this is bad. This is bad stuff. We have this in the game for the bad guys to be. And if you want to have a villainous campaign, that's fine. But just recognize that you are playing villains. And this is not stuff that 
nice people do. Um, but I try to be fair about warning people about these sort of issues as I write them, just because I'm a sensitive person and I have a high degree of empathy towards other people. And I don't want to surprise people with, hey, we're going to have an adventure. Oh, by the way, we're going to kill a thousand children in this adventure. It's like, Ugh, you can't just like shock somebody with that. Yeah. That's actually a horrible faux pas for like some people have said, oh, I'll take this checklist and everything that somebody said, no, I don't do it. That's what I'm going to double down on. I'm like, that means you're a jerk. You're yeah. a horrible person. If you get a list of stuff that people say, this makes me uncomfortable, and your first thought is, I'm going to do all of those things to push your buttons, that's not someone you want to hang out with. So, no, definitely not. That's someone I you want, want to, to run away from. Yeah, so I try to be like upfront and saying, this is a, an adventure or source book or whatever that's going to deal with some sensitive topics, just so you know. These are going to be sensitive topics, and if this is going to be a problem for you, you might want to skip this section. So to a greater or lesser extent, I've always been thinking like this, uh, but this is kind of what is built up to the, the foundation of let's make a separate, you know, like I'm going to spend some of my design time writing this for the express purpose of trying to make gaming a more comfortable place for anybody who bothers to read the PDF. Yeah, and... This whole idea, and a lot of people I've talked to looked at it as a, a binary thing. I have an opinion, you have an opinion, we reach consensus. But there's a whole table full of people who have their own opinions. So in the situation you were talking about earlier, let's say, um, you know, the, the killing a bunch of children. Let's say I, as the game master, have introduced this goblin crew that a town says keep raiding them and are evil. But if you guys have watched... Um, uh, Captain Marvel, the the Marvel movie, mm -hmm. um, we find out that actually the scrolls are not the bad guys. Right. Now imagine your alert. Spoilers, everybody. You know what? The movie's been out long enough. <laughs> Shut your pie hole. Spoiler alert, they've appeared in two movies since then. Deal with it. Fine. Okay. Fine. All right. So I'm not gonna spoil how they show up the next time. So anyway, let's say these goblins have been shown to be the same kind of thing. Actually, the people in town have been trying to commit genocide against their entire clan. And the, the players now have a decision to make. And one of them says, you know what? They're goblins. They're evil. According to the book, I'm killing all of them. And the priestess starts arguing back, saying, it's against my religion. I can't do this. And they start getting into an argument back and forth. And it's the game master. It's my responsibility, if no one else is doing it, to say, whoa, whoa, whoa. Are you guys getting really heated about this? And the priestess says, oh, no, no, no. If he can convince my character, we'll totally go shank them all. <laughs> and then I, as, then I, as the game master, have to step back and go, okay, guys. The concept of committing genocide against an entire tribe is not cool with me. I know I've presented this as a moral dilemma, but I told you when we first started this, it's a good game. All your characters are good. This is not the actions of good people. I'm going to have to ask that we, can we agree to maybe try to, I mean, you don't have to go back and kill all the people in the town. You don't have to kill all the people. You know, there are other solutions than murder hoboing everything you see just because the book says they're evil it just means they t they trend toward evil we've already i've already shown you these goblins aren't they're pretty decent clan actually 
Um, not the sharpest tools in the shed because they're goblins, but you know, let's move on with that. Can we reach a consensus where you guys are going to try to maybe find a different solution than killing everything? And then as the game master, I'm the third party now in this discussion. And the other players may be sitting back with popcorn just going, I want to see how this turns out. <laughs> yeah. But th there can be more than two, even three parties in this discussion that could have, you know, a dog in this fight, so to speak. And I think that's an interesting idea that we all, game master, players, etc., all have a part in that discussion. Yeah. I mean, there's no reason why the GM should not also fill out one of these consent checklists if they're passing it out to the players. Because, hey, the GM could say, I don't want X in my game, I don't want Y in my yeah. game. And I think when you have all those consent sheets put together, the GM should tell the players, all right, these are things that are off limits for this game. Because somebody, whether it was you or one of the other players, said, I don't want this in the game. And so it doesn't matter if it's Joe or Chris or Terry or the GM. The answer is, this is not appearing in the game. Yeah. The end. Well, Sean, I, I've been very excited to talk to you about this. I'm sorry that we didn't get to talk to Shauna. Um, she's been traveling but, a lot and she's she's very busy at MCG she's basically doing about two people's worth of work so okay well just shout out to Shauna because she also was part of this this process and yes uh, she was um, and hopefully working on her uh, next uh, novel length Numenera or whatever story because she's a good writer she actually <laughs> recently wrapped up her, her Numenera novel Tomorrow's Bones Nice. And right now she is writing her uh, source book for a uh, surf system called We Are All Mad Here that talks about uh, myths and fairy tales and mental illness, which is its own can of worms for consent. Uh, so she's, again, relying on her, her psychology background to talk about complicated topics in a very sensitive and a respectful way. Oh, I can't wait! Just I can't wait to see that. I I'm wondering. I'm now wondering whether it's going to show up on the website first or be a Kickstarter, like, um, like the last thing that they had out. Oh my oh, god! Well, I want to see that. This book was part of the Your Best Game Ever Kickstarter that we did oh, last year. Okay. So it's already been funded, and it'll be coming out. Uh, I estimate uh, May or June next year. Yeah, I know that um, Stay Alive was part of that. I didn't know that one was part of it, too. Yeah, we what? did four books. So Bruce's is The Stars Are Fire, which is a sci-fi book. Mine uh -huh. is Stay Alive, which is horror. Uh, hers mm -hmm. is We Are All Mad Here, which is, as I said, it's uh, fairy tales and mental illness. And the last is God Forsaken, which is Monty's book about uh, a fantasy world where... Uh, I'm going to summarize it wrong, but it's basically... Mm -hmm. uh, there's a safe place in the world where the gods power still exists, but there are like wild lands outside that where the gods have no power. And so you are one of the people who goes out into those wild lands without the protection of the gods to do adventure stuff. What are those supposed to be available for our greedy little palms? <laughs> they are, uh, we haven't, I don't know if we've announced specifically when, but the goal is to get the stars of fire out to people this year, which means like, before the holidays start. Uh, and mine will be probably February or March, and then Shauna's will be probably May or June, and then Monty's probably uh, around Gen Con time. Yay. All right. Yay. <laughs> so since we're talking about Shauna, now that I know that she's doing We Are All Mad here, this is just a open invitation. Come and talk to us because these are things we want to talk about. I will Mental let Mental health and gaming. 
I will bump Wait. her about that once she. Uh, I'm now that convention season is done and travel is done, and hopefully things will kind of settle down for her, and she will have more time to do interviews about what stuff she's working on. Because, I mean, I'm really lucky to work with MCG. We're just, I love all these people. We're all just really dedicated. We love what we're doing. And I consider every single one of them a friend. And Shauna is great. And she's a great game writer. She's a great novel writer. Like I reviewed her book, The Poison Eater, when it was still a draft and she made me cry. And I was just like, okay, thanks for that. Um, that was so, such a good book. Yeah. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing what Shauna does with this. We had some uh, design team uh, discussion a couple of weeks ago and we made some really cool like groundwork ideas of how to handle certain things and, and what she's going to do with that book and i'm really looking forward to what what she turns up yeah excellent um so i have three last questions for you sean the first one is what are you working on right now uh right now bruce and i are wrapping up a book called voices of the datasphere which is a numenera book uh that we kickstarted a few months ago it's covering uh the datasphere which is basically the ninth world's version of the internet uh but it's not just like you go to a little terminal and you type 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 and you look up cat videos and stuff it's kind of <laughs> crazy because it's numenera you can literally like log in and have your body digitized and project yourself into the data sphere, kind of like Tron. And okay. you're just running around as this digital avatar and doing crazy stuff and, and meeting weird Numenera things. And there are, you know, AIs and other sort of programs running around the data sphere and other people that have been turned into digital forms. And it's, it's pretty nutty. That's what I'm working on right now. Cool. That that's exciting. I need to get, I need to get more Numenera in my life. Um, the next question is, what is your dream project? Or, or, or have you already done it? Or do you have something on the horizon that's like, ah, oh, that's what I want to do? You know, that is a really hard question because... I figured it would be. <laughs> like, I get excited about working on a book, and then I get halfway through, and I like finish up like the easy, exciting parts, and then I get to like the harder parts, like stat blocks and, and like finalizing some things. And I start yeah. thinking, oh, what's the next book I'm going to work on? And I get really excited about the next book, and then about the next book after that. And so it's always kind of like, what's the really <laughs> cool thing that I'm going to be working on after this? I'm ready. I'm ready to wrap up this thing. What's the next big thing? Um, but I mean, I have worked on some crazy, crazy stuff. Monty and I did our own D20 version of The World of Darkness. Um, we, Bruce and Monty and I just uh, a couple of months ago finished working on the, the main book for Arcana of the Ancients, which is basically taking the idea of ancient Numenera-like technology and applying it to your fifth edition D&D game, uh, which was pretty crazy because I had never written anything for fifth edition before. Uh, I had worked for Wizards back in the second and third edition times, and I worked for them about three years ago as a contractor, but I didn't really like do any game design, like rulesy stuff. And so taking Numenera ciphers and monsters and things like that, putting them into fifth edition D&D is really, really cool. Um, but I'm enjoying writing the Statosphere stuff. I enjoyed writing horror, although again, after four months of writing horror, I needed to do kind of a mental cleanse to get all that horror out of my head. There's yeah. always some really cool thing that I'm working on next. It's just hard to, it's hard to pick my favorite. I have lots of special favorite children. All right. Oh, and by the way, for people looking for story seeds for that um, game where you project yourself into, what was the game again? You project yourself into the virtual world. What was that one again? Voices of the Data Sphere. Yeah. There was a lit RPG book 
that I just found and um, the other day, and I just bought it recently, haven't started reading it yet, called Imprisoned Online, Gaming the System. It's like a first book in a series hmm. where people are, um, if you commit a crime, you get sent to an online correctional facility that is based in an MMO. And you were, huh. thro you were thrown into this thing, sink or swim. Um, you have to participate in the MMO, or if you choose not to participate, you could be fodder for somebody else. So your best bet is to get, gather as much loot as you can, beef yourself up, and try to survive in this MMO world. Because you don't have an option, you're in prison. Interesting. So that's a, a concept you could probably, you could definitely throw into that kind of game. That there's a separate section of it that's a correctional facility, and it's sink or swim, and dog eat dog, and you can't get out until they let you out. Sure. Well, I mean, <laughs> Bruce and Monty and I are all big fans of Tron. And so there's certainly going to be an aspect where you are in a game, like there's parts of the data sphere where, yeah, you need to go and, you know, run around and fight each other in an arena, whether that's by yourself, uh, like as yourself, or in some sort of tank-like vehicle, or perhaps a motorcycle-like vehicle. Those are all, you know, inspired by... Those are all very drawn. So oh, nice. Having yourself in an MMO, it's a it's a similar idea, and that's really cool. Woody, I I I I'm going to opt out of all further um, interview um, podcasts because I end up putting way too much stuff on my to buy list. <laughs> <laughs> this is dangerous for me. I apologize. <laughs> all of this is dangerous for me, Brian. <laughs> Should I, should I start sending you a consent list for uh, interviews, Brian? I do not have consent <laughs> to talk about future projects that I totally <laughs> want to buy. <laughs> no, you absolutely have my consent. Maybe not my wife's, but. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, and we've talked a, a bit about Numenera, and I, I feel like uh, some listeners are probably at a disadvantage, but there's, there's a whole world to get into there that's uh, really fantastic from what I've been connected to of it. Um, yeah, if you're not familiar with Numenera, um, I recommend going to the MCG store. We actually have a free RPG Day product from last year that you can download for free. It's like a 30, 24, 30 page PDF uh, that I wrote. It comes with a, an adventure, it gives you an overview of the world, uh, it gives you a, a quick start version of the rules, it has pre gen characters. It's called Ashes of the Sea. And uh, it's a great little intro to the Numenera setting. And it's free. Excellent. So that was my final question to you was, you know, uh, we know we, we can get consent in gaming on Drive-Thru RPG, but where can we find all the rest of the stuff that you have been involved in? And for that matter, that Shauna has been involved in because uh, I have the feeling that we're going to have piqued a lot of people's interest in these things. Well, you can definitely pick up uh, the entire Monty Cook Games product line at drive-through under Monty Cook Games. So if you look for consent in gaming, uh, it'll be listed under Monty Cook Games. We also okay. have our own website, montycookgames.com, which has a web store that you can purchase uh, PDFs or print products from. And so there's all of my MCG work there and uh, Shauna's too. Um, Shauna has also written a lot of stuff outside of MCG because she actually had a life before Became, you know, a full-time <laughs> game designer person. So I recommend just Googling her name, uh, S-H-A-N-N-A-G-E-R-M-A-I-N. -N -N -E um, 
And my stuff, because I've been working for so many different companies, like it's kind of scattered everywhere. But definitely if you look on DriveThru under Wizards of the Coast, um, if you go to the Paizo website, there's a lot of Pathfinder stuff that I worked on for six years. Uh, so good luck. And if you're actually on DriveThru RPG looking at the Money Cook Games section, it's under the subsection free products. There's a, there's a nice little section full of free products. I feel like there's a treasure trove of stuff out there that uh, we could pick from from uh, Sean K. Reynolds and Shauna Germain. So uh, there's so much depth we can get into here. And uh, I, I can see that uh, I'll actually tell you, um, Sean, uh, that uh, we discussed the consent in gaming PDF when I was at the, the training at Save Against Fear, which uh, while we were there, we, we had to... There were two trainings there that were both about how to use RPGs in therapeutic settings. And so one of the things we talked about was the consent in gaming PDF. So you, you guys have made some waves, and that's that's really a good thing because I, I think we all need to be talking about this issue. Well, it has had over 3 million downloads. <laughs> wow. Now, to be, to be fair, actually, that's not technically true. Um, somebody who decided to like when you check out from our web store um you check out you put the pdf in your cart and then you check out but because it's a free pdf you can put as many copies as you want and somebody uh. decided to put two or three million as their number so we suddenly had you know two or three million purchases of this but it was a zero dollar purchase and it was all from the same person um so <laughs> it's very very popular to that one person um but yeah we're, we're really we're very surprised at how much traction this got and how much discussion this got. Um, but there were so many different groups on Facebook and so many different uh, gaming groups and, and discussion groups on Twitter that ended up sharing this. It got shared thousands of times. And just the fact that it got into people who needed to see this sort of thing and who were so happy to finally have their eyes opened, not just to this tool, but to all these other tools for uh, consent and gaming. That's just, that's so very heartening that these people have stuff that'll help them make their game a safe place for themselves and their players. That's wonderful. If you guys um, out there have uh, ever looked at the reviews for various gaming, you know, releases, this one has, has over 160 reviews on drive through RPG, which is rather impressive that that many people are grabbing it and then coming back the, to type their opinion about it. Yeah, there was there was a bit of fighting in the discussion under that. I, they, I they, did see that. They, yeah, they had to shut that down. But uh, there are, yeah, a lot of people who have bought it. And by I say bought it, again, it's a, it's a zero dollar. It's a free PDF. Yeah. But they, they picked it up, read it, looked at it, and they felt strongly enough to comment about it whether positively or negatively and i think that's great and i mean again the the rating overall is very very good which yeah. says to me that it's mostly people happy about it and just a few people that are unhappy and let's be fair if people are even unhappy about it it's still stirring conversation in the community and that's so important right now because we really need this discussion right yeah and it can prompt two different things either someone who has a negative viewpoint could potentially be swayed like I said, I've spoken to people who had some reservations about it, and then we came to an epiphany, and I wasn't one of the ones against it. But then as a group of discussers, we came to an epiphany and said, oh, I see the value in this. Yeah. Um, I knew there was value in it. I just I saw the, some, of their, some of their points they were making, 
and then came back with my own and I won the argument. Uh, <laughs> well, it wasn't an argument. It was, it, was a, it was an informed discussion in that particular case. Yes. But either somebody on here is going to have a negative reaction to it and then see how many people are coming back and having an intelligent discussion with them, hopefully, that they might be swayed. Or it's going to flag a bunch of people who see this going, oh, I know that guy. Oh, well, yeah. guess who's not coming to game night? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. All right, guys. Well, again, Sean, thank you so much for, for talking with us today. I hope that our listeners are, are going to uh, grab something of meaning out of this. And uh, thank you so much for, for thinking about these these challenging topics because, as I say, we all need to be talking about consent in gaming. And uh, we appreciate you well, and Sean thank you, Woody. putting this together. Thank you, Brian. I I appreciate the invite. I mean, just the fact that you wanted to go and spend an hour of your podcast talking about this with me. Uh, I just really appreciate that you are doing part of the hard work of making gaming something that's accessible and fun to everybody. Thank you. And uh, everybody else out there, you know what? Keep on rolling for change. That's right. As long as we all agree. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Roll for change if you agree. If you consent. There you go. You've been listening to Rolling for Change, a proud member of the Geek Therapy Network. Our focus here is, of course, on gaming, but every geeky pursuit you can think of is celebrated in the Geek Therapy Network. If that sounds Borgish, it is, but it's a Borg of light and rainbows. The Fab Borg, the chic geeks, the rainbow full of sound, calliopes, clowns. Anyway. To join us, simply point your browser to geektherapy forward slash discord and you can chat with all of us. Or if you just want to comment on our shows, go to forum.geektherapy.com and you can add your voice to the discussion. If you wish to contact us directly, hit us up at gamers at rollingforchange.com. Finally, if you enjoy our spiffy theme music, it comes from Rocket Scientists, purveyors of fine keyboard-driven progressive rock. We'd love for you to tune your inner tube to Bandcamp and sacrifice some money to their cause. They will, in turn, provide you with a plethora of magnificent tunage, and you can plug that into your ear holes and dance like nobody's watching. Yes, you can dance in odd time signatures. At any rate, thanks so much for listening. Remember, ask permission, and keep on rolling for change. <laughs>